Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. So I thought, you know, this is next week's the, the carol service, uh, which is fantastic. And this week is the third Sunday of Advent. So I think we're really talking today about preparing for Christmas. And I think it is interesting, as I said last week, that Advent, like Lent, is a time of preparation. During Lent, we give things up, and the purpose of of the giving up of things is to strip away the things that we use to mask the uncomfortableness that we feel in our lives. Simple things like chocolate. We, We eat to feel better rather than feeling the feelings that are there, and we drink for the same reason often. It masks the real feelings that we have. So the idea of of sort of penitential periods like Lent and Advent is we give those things up to allow our bodies to tell us what's actually going on. It allows us to feel what's going on in our bodies so that we can face up to the reality and therefore stand in front of, you know, the divine nature at Easter and the divine nature of Christmas and to celebrate that with an understanding of what's really going on with us. So that's with Lent, and the same is true for Advent, and we want to open ourselves to whatever it is that Christmas is going to bring to us. I always love the idea that when your guru comes to visit you, it's rude to tidy your house. And I love that idea, you know, if your guru's going to come, you shouldn't tidy your house because you should let the guru see what a state you generally live in. And I think that's quite quite a a nice thing. You know, it's it's really, it gives a false impression uh, when you really want to present to your guru your true self. And so, in a sense, our preparation for Lent and Advent should be to strip away those crutches that we use so that we stand more truthfully and so be in union you know, with the reality in our lives. Both Lent and Advent, therefore, serve as a purpose for preparing for the arrival of the divine in our lives. Um, And the echoes of that preparation exist in all the traditions that we have. The Advent calendar is a countdown to Christmas. Uh, In most households, it represents mounting excitement. However, the prayers and the Bible readings also form a sort of preparation. The making of the Advent wreath, the Christmas tree, the special food, the candles, the liturgy and the prayers are all intended to act as a form of preparation of us saying to ourselves, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which literally means Imam with us, El God, God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. And that's what we're really preparing for. We're preparing for a union with God, a celebration of the incarnation, the spirit becoming flesh. So our preparation for Advent is the preparation for the realization of God with us. And I mentioned last week, you know, when Jesus appears in icons, he always has two fingers, and those two fingers represent the two natures of the human and the divine. And the idea is to hold on to is that Jesus really didn't come, I don't think, and again, you know, these are all personal views and willingness to be wrong. I don't think Jesus came 
to be worshipped as God. I think Jesus came to show us the true potential of humanity, that we had two natures, the human and the divine nature, the human and the, the material nature and the divine nature. And therefore, each of us has that divine nature within us ready to be realized. And that, I think, is the true potential of humanity, is expressing those two together. We've grown as humanity in the evolution of our consciousness to the point where we're, we're able to realize that we do have that eternal nature within us. That is a, a big step in the evolution of consciousness. And our purpose is to realize that in our lives, to open ourselves to that aspect of our consciousness that's capable of expressing the divine. And that's what we prepare for in Advent. Not just the celebration of the arrival of Jesus in the manger, but that realization of the divine within each of us. So the candle we've lit today is the candle of truth. And the truth that we're confronting is that our place in the universe is not just a place which is a part of the material, but also is a part of that divine nature. When we think about truth nowadays, we think about what, what truth actually means is accuracy nowadays. You know, we refer to something as being, is it the truth? We think what we really mean is, is it accurate? Is it correct? However, that meaning of truth only came about really in about the 14th century. The original meaning of the word truth came from the West Saxon or Mercia word traue, which meant more about faithfulness than accuracy. It was about trust and faithfulness, about honesty, about steady in adhering to promises and friends. Truth in the original meaning, was something that could be relied upon. We now think of that truth as being about accuracy, you know, about not lying. You'll tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But I think the idea of a greater truth being something that we can rely on is more interesting. It speaks about the idea of reality, something that we can rely on, something that is solid. And I like the way that it informs, I always like, my favourite de definition of spirituality is Rowan Williams' definition, who says that spirituality is the cultivation of a sensitive and rewarding relationship with eternal truth and love. The cultivation of a sensitive and rewarding relationship with eternal truth and love. And it informs that eternal truth, really literally permanent reliability. As an old advertising man, it's a great tagline I'd like to use in you know, products like Firestone tires, permanent reliability. Dyson vacuum cleaners, permanent reliability. Nice to say, but not necessarily true. But in the case of this truth, the eternal truth of spirituality this is what's being suggested, permanent reliability. That there is something that is eternally true and can always be relied upon and therefore has absolute reality. And in this sense, 
the truth that can be relied upon and as absolute truth, that's what we're talking about when we talk about the divine nature. Something that can be fully and absolutely relied upon and it is connectable within us. And that is an amazing idea. In, in the ever-changing world where nothing you know, can be necessarily relied upon, the one thing that can be relied upon is within us. Two weeks ago, I mentioned that famous line from the end, end of 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these in love. And we, we spoke about the deeper meaning of hope being trust. And last week, I spoke about creating a space within us for the spirit to be born. And these two things come together, creating the space within us and the trust come together in the eternal truth that we're realizing in the divine. Something eternally reliable that's within us that we create a space for and that we can realize. When we talk about religion here at the Aspen Chapel, I always like to say that for us, religion really is about learning how to live life more skillfully. The fundamental skill is working out really what you can rely on. If, if you know, religion is about living life more skillfully, it's really about working out what can fundamentally be relied upon. You know, what's true? What's trustworthy? What can you have faith in? Someone said that the thing about Christianity big question is not, is it true, but does it work? The question is not, is it true, but does it work? And actually, the reliability question goes to that question about, does it work? And here we have it, the reality of the divine nature that we can realise within. And that's what we are uncovering and realising in Lent. Evelyn Underhill, the 20th century English mystic, gave a definition of mysticism. She said that mysticism is the art of union with the divine. So a lot of talk about, you know, what mysticism is, but mysticism, in her view, is the art of union with the divine. The art of union with reality. Union with that which can be relied on. Mysticism is the art of union with which that which can be relied upon, the divine nature, our Christ nature. You could call it the Tao, the Atman, Brahman, whatever. But here we are at Christmas, so let's stick with the Christ nature. Christ mass, literally the mass that is the Eucharist of Christ. That's what Christmas is. It's the Eucharist of Christ. And do you know the, re do you know the reason we call it the mass? Um, in particularly in the Catholic sense, is because the Eucharist, the Latin Eucharist ends with the words, it missa est, which is the dismissal, and literally means go. The last words of the, of the Eucharist are, in Latin, go, you have been sent, uh, where we get the word dismissed from. It just doesn't mean you can go, it means you have been sent. Um, and that's why we call it the Mass, just because the last words. Now, I always think it's interesting where the derivation of words come from. Another word, the word hocus pocus. This is by, by way of nothing, but I thought I'd just mention it. Hocus pocus, those words, come from the words, 
from the Latin Mass as well, hic me corpus. And what used to happen is that the people at the back of the cathedral who couldn't hear anything used to see the, the priest do the magic bit over the, the wine and the bread and say, hic me corpus, and they couldn't quite hear it. So it ended up being hocus pocus. So when people wanted to do magic, they said hocus pocus because they thought that was the thing that turned you know, water into wine and stuff like that. So, so the Christ ma mass is the sending out of the Christ. That's what it is. The Christ mass is the sending out of the Christ. It is the realisation of the Christ within ourselves and sending that out into the world. That's what should be happening at Christmas, at Christmas, that we realise the Christ within ourselves. I, I know this sounds a little bit highfalutin, but I mean, this is what it is about. And, you know, we think it's all about, you know, we, we go to the service, we feel some you know, magic warm and fuzzies at the service and we go home and we hug our children and we read the night before Christmas and we wake up with our stockings. But actually, really, if you get into the spirituality of it, this is what it's about. It's the sending out of Christ, the realisation of Christ within us. So the challenge of Advent and Christmas is to have that same Christ born in us as Meister Eckhart said, and I did quote this last week, but it's worth quoting this every Christmas. So Meister Eckhart said in the 14th century, what good is it to me if the Son of Man was born to Mary 1400 years ago, but is not born in my person, in my culture, and in my time? What good is it if the Son of Man was born to Mary 1400 years ago, if it's not born to, in my person, in my nature, in, in my time, the incarnation in ourselves and in, in Jesus. Evelyn Underhill says of the incarnation, the incarnation which is for popular Christianity synonymous with the historical birth and earthly life of Christ is for the mystic not only this, but also a perpetual cosmic and personal process. It is the everlasting bringing forth in the universe and also in the ascending soul of the divine and perfect life, the pure character of God. So she's saying that the incarnation is not just the birth of Jesus, but it is the bringing forth in the universe and in each of us, the divine and perfect life, the pure character of God. So no pressure there then. And the question, of course, then is how do we bring that forth? And the answer is, of course, you don't. You just have to get out of the way. We don't bring it forth ourselves. We just have to get out of the way. We can't bring forth the divine nature. We can only make ourselves less so the divine nature can be more. So our preparations for Advent and Christmas are really an emptying out, as in Lent where we strip away the props that we've created to carry on and therefore reveal more of who we really are. Advent, we let go of our willfulness. We let go and let be. Almost the reverse of the normal growing expectation of what, what will I be getting for Christmas? You know, I'll be getting the presents, I'll be getting the food, the family, the huge expectation 
we put on ourselves. And the inevitable disappointment and letdown where, in fact, you know, we're asked to do the reverse of that. We're asked to try and open ourselves up to Meister Eckhart's wanting for nothing, willing nothing, and knowing nothing. And that's so exemplified in that reading that we heard today that Randy read to us about Mary. The angel visits her and, you know, he lays all this stuff on her. Greetings, you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Notice the Emmanuel bit there. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Same as us trying to realise our own divine nature. Don't be afraid, Mary. You find favour with God. You'll be given a child. You'll be great. Child of the Most High. Throne of David. Jacob. You know, all that sort of stuff. And you think, you've got problems. Imagine Mary dealing with that question herself. How will this be, says Mary, since I'm a virgin? Or for us, how can I realise the divine nature within me? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In other words, it will not be you doing it. God will do it. And her response, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. Where it's called, where, from where, of course, Paul McCartney got the words for let it be. So just if you know, that's where it came from. And that, in a nutshell, so is what, you know, what G Julian of Norwich uh, is talking about. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Total humility. And that's what Mary is known for. Complete humility. It's her emptiness that allowed her to be filled with the Christ child. And it's our willingness to be empty that allows the Christ nature to be expressed in us. And that phrase that I've often used from Thomas Merton that sums it up. He says, God utters me like a word containing a partial thought of himself. A word can never comprehend the voice that utters it. But if I'm true to the concept that God utters in me, if I'm true to the thought of him that I'm meant to embody, I shall be full of his actuality and find him everywhere in myself. I shall find myself nowhere. I shall be lost in him. That is, I shall truly find myself. I shall become the Christ nature. And I think, you know, that is how we prepare for Christmas. We let go of it all. We let it all come out. I've just had stomach flu, so I've really had a good experience of letting it all come out, quite, which is why I'm a little bit off at the moment. But I have had experience of that. I've lost a lot of weight. But, uh, you know, it is letting everything go. We prepare to become the Christ to all who are around us to be Christ at our dinner table, to welcome Christ in others, to witness the appearance of the Christ child in the world by realising it in ourselves. Our meditations, our quiet prayers in Advent are all about divesting, divesting ourselves of our judgments. See the whole of the Christmas carol and Scrooge realising how much baggage he was carrying around with him, of letting go of the things that we prop ourselves up with. We're moving at the moment, and it's the perfect time to be throwing away all those things, of giving what we don't need 
you know, of giving people to people at the end of the year, to the homeless, to whoever, of renewing relationships that have been broken. Christmas is a time for that, of being willing to see our lives with fresh eyes, what's working and what's not. And that leads us to the joy that's at the heart of Christmas. It doesn't come with the aid of alcohol. It comes when we see our lives anew in the innocence of the Christ within, as well as the Christ in the manger. Let's try to reach that point in all of us this year. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.